Welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath, I'm here with Donald. Hello. And we're looking in this session at the question, is God fair? Enjoy the show. Now, Donald, we're getting towards Christmas. And I don't know whether you love Christmas. Do you like Christmas? I do. You do? You're a bit On the whole. On the whole. Once I've got there. Once you've got there, because it's quite busy for you as a minister with loads Mm. of services. But you do quite actually like Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I love Christmas. So I'm usually listening to Christmas music, October onwards, planning for all all of our events and stuff. And when I was little, my favourite time of Christmas was Christmas Eve. We got to stay up late. We used to go to the uh, late night service at church. And uh, me and my brother would come back. He's a couple of years older. We'd come back and we'd put stockings at the end of our beds. And we would just be so excited. It was the kind of anticipation as to what was going to happen at Christmas. Uh, So we'd go to sleep thinking, oh, when we wake up, the stockings will be full at the end of our beds. And we'd wake up at some stupid hour early morning And we'd get to our stockings, and they wouldn't be filled with lots, but to us, it was amazing. So you'd have these little presents. There'd be a satsuma. I have no idea why there was a satsuma. I don't like satsumas. It's just a complete waste of time. There were some walnuts, but there were some nice little stocking gifts, and it was fantastic. And every year, I look forward to that. That was one of my favorite parts of Christmas. And we got to an age when my parents decided a few years ago that it wasn't uh, appropriate to give their grown-up children Christmas stockings. And so they said, this year, we're stopping it. We're not going to do it anymore. And I'm like, what? I'm sorry. You're not doing it anymore. I said, that's not fair. They're like, why is it not fair? Because I'm two years younger than Richard, and he's had stockings for two years more than me. That's not fair. I should keep on having them for two more years. And this was my argument. And you can tell that it still sits with me. Mm. I may need a bit of counselling. But to me, they said, no, that's it. And I'm like, that's not fair. And there are so many different situations in life where you look at other people, you look at what's happening, and you think, that's just not fair. And sometimes I think we do that with God as well. I think sometimes we look through the Bible, we look at maybe how he spoke to some people, how he used some people, how he blessed some people in different ways, and we look at our lives and we think, God's not done that for me. Is there something wrong with me? You know, that just doesn't seem fair. So my first question for you this evening is, does God treat everybody the same? The the short and the long answer is yes and no. It depends (laughs) what area of life. Um, My parents, everybody stopped having their stocking on their 18th, when the year they were 18. That's fair. Except that when you are 21 and you see your younger sibling having a stocking, you don't think that's fair because they're getting one and you're not. No, but it is fair. That, that, that makes sense, Mum and Dad. Listen to that. I still need two stockings, just saying. <laughs> yes, but somebody else is getting something at the same time that you're not. But that's okay because you've had it. Yeah, but that's the whole area of fairness, isn't it? It's trying yes. to, what, it depends what angle you're looking at it from. Yep. And so I guess we're going to explore this tonight. But I think there are, we have to say right from the outset that that God does treat people differently. But there is a consistency and a fairness around the values and the way in which he treats us differently. So he consistently treats us differently, if that makes sense. (laughs) Uh, And it, it all depends on whether we're looking at a whole area of suffering, whether we're looking at the whole area of uh, our skills, whether we're looking at the whole area of punishment or whether we're looking at the whole area of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that God deals with us in different ways. So I want to say that, yes, God is fair, but sometimes our perception of what fairness is is different. Mm -hmm. But God is always just, Mm -hmm. but he is also generous Mm -hmm. and gracious, which also carries with it the sense of difference. Mm-hmm. So, should we try and unpack that? Yep, Where should we begin? Uh, let, let's, so, let's, I want to say right on the outset, and there are other questions of life videos that you can look at. I want to say at the outset that I don't believe that God uh, brings suffering or hurt to somebody. We did that on a two or three questions of life, so please go back and look at that. So when we ask, this, this tonight is not about why is this person suffering and that person isn't, because yeah. I don't think that's from God anyway. So, yeah. But that's a question for another evening, which we've, we've already looked at, maybe we'll come back to. 
So let's leave on one side for the moment the area of suffering because I don't think that's God's intention or purpose that people suffer. So then we're looking at the area of punishment. And the Bible, I think, is very clear that there is a judgment at the end of life Mm -hmm. for the things that we've done that have been hurtful and damaging to other people, that have been hurtful or damaging to ourselves, that have broken the Ten Commandments, which are all the instructions on how to love. And that that punishment is consistent Mm -hmm. and it is equitable. That punishment is destruction. So God treats everybody fairly in saying, if you, if you don't live the way I wanted you to live, then you face judgment. Mm-hmm. But then we talk about forgiveness, and that's where it becomes a little more complex. Because the, the, the way, what we've talked about, again, in previous questions of life, is that God forgives everyone who repents, everyone who says, God, I'm sorry, everyone who cries out in mercy. Now, that may be at the beginning of our life and we then live a whole lifetime of being obedient to God and serving him. Or it may be as the thief on the cross at the very end of our life. You may live a long life as a Christian and serve God for for many, many years. I might come to faith at the end of my life. When we get to heaven, we're both forgiven. Mm -hmm. Uh, you may say, that's not fair. Should I not have, you not have more reward than me who lived perhaps as a Christian for less time than you? That's where we discover that grace is gloriously... Unequal. A, unequal. <laughs> or equal. The, the, yes. the, the, great, the, the equality is, is that God forgives everyone who yeah. repents. Yeah. And that's it. And that is gloriously equal. A person who has lived a good life for 50 years may look at a person who's lived a good life for five minutes and say that's not fair. But I would say that there are plenty of other benefits from living a good life for 50 years yeah. that compensate. Yeah. For example, you have, in heaven you have a sense of fulfillment, a sense of achievement, a sense of my life has meant something and done something. You can get and look around in heaven and see the fruit of your life. Mm. I come to Christ in the last five minutes of my life there's nothing much in heaven that I've, inve- that I've created or invested. Mm. So there is a difference, but mm. fundamentally, God forgives people because he forgives people. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, the religious people thought that was unfair. It was mm. very clear they thought that was unfair. They thought that they who had been good should be treated better than people who came late to the party. Yeah. And Jesus is shocking in saying grace is indiscriminate. Grace Mm -hmm. is available to all. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is available to all. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, uh, God treats everybody the same that some people might feel looks a bit unfair. So talk us through then the the parable, the story that Jesus told in Matthew 20. Yeah, so in Matthew 20, Jesus tells a story about a guy who goes to hire some workers, and he goes, sits out at the beginning of the day, and he hires some workers, and he says, the, the salary, the fee for the, a day's work in my vineyard is, is this figure. And they say, oh, yeah, that's a good price, that's fair enough, mm-hmm. we'll take that. So they're happy at that point. They're happy at Great that deal. because it seems yep. a good deal. Yep. And then he's, the work, they're not getting all the work done. So at lunchtime, he goes out and finds some more people. And then later, mid-afternoon, late afternoon, there's still some more work that needs to be done. So he goes and finds some more people. So there are three groups of people. There's people who have worked all day, there's people who have worked half a day, and there's people who have worked maybe a quarter of the day. When they come to be paid at the end of the day, the owner of the vineyard, who is symbolizing God, pays them all the same. Mm. And the people who started all at the beginning of the day say, that's not fair. Mm. How can you do that? And Jesus makes the point that what the, if the owner chooses to be generous, that's his choice. The fee at the beginning of the day was good enough for those people. Yeah. And this is the problem when we start to look at what other people have. So very often in life, we can be completely satisfied with what we have until we see what somebody else mm-hmm. has. 
Um, uh, I think this, uh, there's a great line in the James song, Sit Down, uh, where he says, uh, I could live with, without riches if I hadn't seen other people. So that, worse that I've got that wrong, but uh, it's this idea that I'm quite happy with who I am until I see what other people have. Forgiveness, if I told you that if you say to God, you are forgiven, uh, you say to God, I'm sorry for my sin, and he says, then come and spend eternity with me in heaven, we would all say that's a great deal. Yep. And that's the bottom line. The fact that he says that to the worst sinner and the least worst sinners, and the same thing, that's the, the nature of God's love, that he's just overwhelming, it's abundant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's what that parable is about. And, and it really disturbed those, the, the early, mm-hmm. they, because they had an idea that God would reward good people mm. more than he rewards bad people. Mm. Now, I love the idea that God doesn't. Mm-hmm. I love the idea because I would count myself in the bad people category. And to find that God is overwhelming in his generosity and his grace is fantastic. We may say, well, what's the point of being good? And that's where we go back to what I was saying earlier. The point of being good is actually it's more fulfilling and there's more sense of you've achieved something with your life and I would far rather give my life to God than... Uh, have wasted it because mm-hmm. we've only got this life once. Mm-hmm. We've only got one chance to live it. So I'd rather live it. So I don't mm-hmm. think you lose out, but I'm just glad that God's grace, that I'm glad that heaven isn't uh, segregated with mm-hmm. good and bad people. Mm-hmm. I think what we gain is incredible. So I think when you look at it in isolation, when you look at it, my life, that that moment of becoming a Christian, that change, that sense of I'm loved, I'm known, I'm accepted, I'm forgiven. I don't go through this lifetime on my own, but I go through it with God by my side, mm-hmm. who's able to speak into my life and to encourage me. And I have the promise and the hope of heaven. And those things are incredible. And when you just look at yourself and you look at what we've been given and what's on offer to all of us, it is incredible. But it is when we start judging. It is when we start looking at other people and I know that there are some people that would say, this always comes up when we, when we have our alpha sessions. People will say, that's great. God's a God of forgiveness and he forgives everyone. But I just don't think it's fair for people like Hitler. Suppose Hitler in the moment that he committed suicide turned to God. Well, that's not fair because he's lived a whole life doing bad things. He's a bad person. And we, we kind of have these degrees of how good and how bad a person is and that God shouldn't treat them the same as he treats me. But you just called yourself a sinner. <laughs> we all are. Mm. Uh, and, and there's a sense of beginning to understand that we're all saved by grace, that not one of us is, is worthy in our own strength with our own deeds of being good enough, pure enough, holy enough to be accepted mm. by God. Mm. And so for me, I would hope, and this is my attitude, there's a sense of delight and joy anytime someone becomes a Christian. Yeah. Whether they're 15, whether they're 105, whether they've not considered Christianity until their deathbed, I rejoice that in that one moment there is this connection. And that's my prayer. My prayer is to never give up on people, to always keep on praying and to rejoice that God is a God who doesn't say, right, you've made it to this point in your life, you've had nothing to do with me, get on with it. Mm. I love the fact that he welcomes. Absolutely. And, and the challenge, I would say, if I can be blunt, is that for those of us, the times when we're tempted to feel it's not fair, I don't think we... There's a danger that we haven't really grasped grace mm-hmm. and that we subconsciously think we have earned God's love. Yes. And if God's love is to be earned, then yes, I can complain that other people haven't worked as hard to, mm-hmm. to be loved by God as I have. But the deal is that my, I can't earn God's love. He loves me overwhelmingly without, and I don't need to earn it. Now, I am much more reassured that I don't need to earn it. Yeah. So when I stray into resenting grace, it's probably because I haven't really grasped it for myself. I mm-hmm. haven't really got hold of that I am unconditionally loved. And if Mm -hmm. I'm unconditionally loved, I can't put a condition on somebody else. When I'm putting conditions on other people, 
I'm probably not fully in the love of God myself. I haven't fully grasped it, understood it, that God is saying there is nothing more you can do to be loved by me. There is no action that makes you more lovable. You mm-hmm. are infinitely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, what I require for salvation is the attitude of sorry. Yeah. And you go back to your Hitler. We don't know whether what Hitler's thing, but it, his outcome outcome was be that's where God's the judge. But yeah. it would only have come if he was genuinely, yes, genuinely sorry. Yeah, you can't blag God on no. your deathbed. You can't not, hedge your bets. And, no. It's yeah. not just a form of words, it's a heart yes. attitude. Yes. Okay, so talking about the fairness of God, God is fair in the way that he welcomes and forgives everybody, whether you're 5, 55, or 105. You know, God is a God of uh, love. He loves us and he delights when we come to him. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's on our deathbed or whether we are five years old. Uh, so he does treat us differently in that now, many of us find that quite easy and straightforward to get our heads around. You think, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, God loves people. Can't wait for them to come to know him. He's just delighted that they have responded. That's great. I think some of the problems that we have in the Is God Fair is in the more personal stuff to do with our lives. And again, we look at our lives and we have a little sneaky look and we look at other people and we think, oh, God's blessed them with that or they've got that or this. So talk a little bit um, more about you know, does God treat everybody the same? Not necessarily in a forgiveness, salvation thing, but in different areas of our lives. So I think God loves diversity. Mm-hmm. He loves difference. And I don't think, I think sometimes we put a human scale onto that, that, that God doesn't particularly recognize to do perhaps with beauty or that we consider some things more beautiful and attractive than other things or to do with a hierarchy of talents that some skill is more worthy or, or, or to be appraised than another skill. And I don't think God actually understands or accepts or believes in any of that. Mm-hmm. So we're, we all look different. Mm-hmm. And we may look at somebody else and say, I wish I had their hair or I wish I had their skin tone or I wish I had their blue eyes or I wish I had their perfectly shaped nose or I wish I had their long legs or I I wish I had... Because somewhere along the, the line, the world has corrupted our perception of what beauty is and we've decided this is beautiful and this isn't. And that somewhere along the line, somebody's told us that we're not good enough mm-hmm. and that our nose is too big or that baldness doesn't look good. I happen to think baldness is great. I, I mean, <laughs> I love bald. I'm happy to be bald or going bald. Uh, so one of the things that I feel that God does in a person's life is when we begin to discover how loved we are by him, we become less concerned about our appearance Mm -hmm. and less concerned in comparing ourselves to the perfect person. Mm -hmm. And we become more secure in our sense of identity that we're loved, Mm -hmm. not because of how we look. The problem with our world is we create a sense of value on how we look, which is problematic because most people peak around the age of 18 to 23, 24, and from then on we are decaying. My life. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, So I think comparing ourselves with somebody is a really unhelpful thing. And that second big area is all to do with skills and abilities, that we look at somebody and say, well, they can sing and I can't, or they can, um, they're good at art, or I know, or they've got a degree, uh, and I've got a couple of O levels, GCSEs, or, and we compare ourselves. And again, I don't think God buys into that because I think diversity makes a really beautiful community. And the, the spectrum of abilities, the spectrum of different skills. Uh, one of the the models in the Bible, which relates particularly to the church, but I think it applies in this area, is is likening us to all 
to being a different part of the body, that we may be an eye or an ear or a nose or a mouth or a fingernail or a belly button or, or a toenail or whatever it is, that we are made different, but it's the collective mm -hmm. and each part of the body is valuable. Mm -hmm. And the, it's in Corinthians and, and mm -hmm. God, the, Paul talks about, you know, an eye can't say to an ear, I don't need you or I wish I was like you or anything like that. And again, I think coming to terms with accepting what God has given us in terms of our skills and our abilities and being confident that that is good mm -hmm. and that there's a part for me to play in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. There is a, a jigsaw-shaped hole that only I can fill. Whatever my intellect is, whatever my skills are, that actually God has shaped that mm. for the purposes he's intended for my life. Mm. I find that liberating. And uh, one of the things that's most helpful to me is being completely comfortable and honest about what I can't do, mm -hmm. what I'm no good at. Mm. What I, I've, I joke about it a lot, but there are lots of things I what know no I can't do. I can't sing. I'm not musical. I can't paint. I, I'm quite shy. I'm not great at conversation. I'm hopeless at small talk. I'm not very good at, <laughs> at going into a situation cold and meeting people. I'm not very good at making people feel at home. I'm not very good at creating a, 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 a fun atmosphere in a room, all of those things. I, I'm not very good at I happen to be uh, okay at, at speaking and explaining things. I happen to be okay at strategic thinking and, and making decisions. Uh, I'm not the most. I'm not the best. I'm okay. Hmm. But actually, it's liberating to say, you know, I need a team of other people around me. So rather than be envious of people who sing better than me, who play musical instruments better than me, who, who organise things better than me, who welcome better than me, who can make a, who can tell jokes better than me, rather than being envious of them, I rejoice in them mm -hmm. because when I'm in their company, I actually relax and think, mm -hmm. thank goodness I don't have to be like that. Mm -hmm. They're there to be like that. And that, for me, has been really liberating in saying that God has, it, has deliberately shaped me to be different. And if I just concentrate on what I haven't got and what I'm not, I, I, I'm impoverished. And actually, mm -hmm. everybody else is because then I'm not offering mm -hmm. what I've got. Mm -hmm. um, and the same uh, with gratitude. And, and, and I remember I did a, I've done a thing two or three times over the years. I remember doing it one time with uh, young people where I asked them uh, what it is that they really wanted. So I, I, I had a group of about 50 kids and I said, tell me what you really want. I used to do it in schools a bit, but I remember, and I'd say, and the kid would say, I want a, uh, I don't know, let's say I want a PlayStation. And uh, I would say, hands up, who's got a PlayStation? Another kid would put their hand up and say, Have you, are you completely happy you've got everything you want? And they said, no. I said, what is it you really want? And they would say, I don't know, they say, I want a bike. And you say, hands up, he's got a bike. I go, the kid's got a bike. And eventually, without fail, I would go end up back to the first kid. Mm. So they would be holding their hand up for something that they've got. Mm. And you just say to everybody, look, everybody's got something to be grateful for and mm. everybody has, has, has things they don't have. If you mm. focus on what you don't have, you're unhappy. If you're able to look and say, I've got this and other people would like a PlayStation or other people would like a bike or other people would like roller skates or whatever it is, actually you can be grateful for who you are. Mm -hmm. And actually, those of you got PlayStation, invite the others around your house for the play with the PlayStation. <laughs> now you've got a bike, go out and share it. And that's the way God intended it. Yeah. That we have different blessings mm. and we're, if we hold on to them, we're impoverished. But we're, we create to share. Mm -hmm. So he treats us differently. He gives us different blessings, different skills, different, uh, different uh, bodies, different shapes, different all kinds of things. And that creates a much better community. Mm -hmm. uh, Amy Evans has uh, messaged in. She looked up the song. Uh, you were right, sit down by James. And uh, the line says, if I hadn't seen such riches, 
I could live with being poor. That's it. If I hadn't seen such riches, but it's, I could it's live that with being sentiment, poor. isn't it? That that if we focus on what's good in our lives. I remember when I uh, went to Bible college. So this is many, many years ago, and um, really good friend there, and he'd spent most of his life um, not behaving in in the greatest of ways, and became a Christian, and everything just fell into his lap. So um, married, kids, everything. And, and then I, I remember sitting there one day thinking, well, that's just great for you, isn't it? You know, you spent the whole of your life messing around. The moment you become a Christian, everything's sorted. And, and here's me, not married, don't have kids. And um, it was a real struggle for me not to feel envious and, and jealous and be like, God, are you sexist? Are you unfair? You know, why is it that, uh, and this is part of, me when I was younger, why is it that every man in ministry has a, has a wife, but not every woman in ministry has a husband? What That doesn't seem fair. What's going on here? Uh, and it's the same principle of what you're, you're talking about, this sense of getting to a place where we are happy in our skin, happy with who we are, happy that God loves us as much as the next person, and that right now, this is the path that we're on. But sometimes it's really difficult. It's difficult not to look at another family and think, well, look at what God's done with their kids and they've got these wonderful gifts and look at my kids and they're a bit of a nightmare. Envy's not a great thing, is it? Just talk about some of the, the reasons why it's not great uh, and then let's turn that around and be positive and look at actually how we can begin to deal a little bit more with our envy. So if we're in that place of looking at our life and there's a situation going on where we just think, God, this isn't fair. I feel like you're leaving me behind. Let's explore how we can do that. So talk about envy. Just talk about, it can be quite destructive. It's incredibly destructive. It robs us of peace yep. because we're unable to see anything to be thankful for. All mm. we're able to see is what we haven't got. So it damages us. Mm. It invariably damages the person that we're envious of in the sense that we, with the best will in the world, we'll treat them differently, we'll little mm -hmm. snide comments, we'll ignore mm -hmm. them, we don't want to be with them. So mm -hmm. they get hurt by our coolness, sometimes by our blatant hurt. Yep. Very often one of the responses of envy is to try and push somebody down. So at the bottom mm -hmm. line, a lot of bullying, a lot of... Uh, ridiculing of people is rooted in envy so we're trying to make somebody else look small because we don't we feel they've got better than us so it really damages other people and then it damages the, the sort of neutral people because actually nobody likes envy it's a mm -hmm. very unattractive thing so if mm. you, you you just don't want to be around people who are constantly moaning and griping about other people and it's all of that pushes us away from God mm -hmm. who just wants us to say you know, just see what I've given you and, and stop looking at the other person. There's a great line in the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, Narnia stories, where the, the kids ask Aslan about what's going to happen to some of the other kids, and he always says, that's not your story. Mm. And I love that phrase, and I mm. hold on to that. It's not my story. I don't need to know how God deals with other people, and that's not my story. Mm. So it's very, very destructive. It, mm. it just eats away at us. And... and the more you try and compete, mm -hmm. uh, the less peaceful we feel because mm -hmm. we never quite get there. It's just, it's just always out of reach. And the more we try and push somebody down, the more unhappy we feel. So it's, it's incredibly damaging. So if we're in a situation where we're feeling dissatisfied with our lives, we're looking at it and we have been tempted to look at other people and think, there's something about them that's great, whether that's the way they look, whether that's their abilities, whether that's their relationship, their family, whatever it might be. It could be a whole host of different things. We're in that place. What would you suggest someone did? How would you begin to move on from that place? I think it's similar to a lot of things. I think the first thing is to own it, admit it, to be honest, to be honest to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I am really struggling with this person. I mm -hmm. feel envious. And to name before God, what it is. So a lot of stuff we talked about this thing is almost in our first questions of life. It's about bringing to God the stuff that we take to other people. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So instead of blaming that person and moaning and criticizing them or trying to pull them down in front of others, we take it to God and say, I'm really struggling with them. So we own it, we're honest. And then we say to God, Lord, would you help me? Because mm-hmm. I can't change this without your power in my life. Come by your spirit and fill me. Will you transform me? Mm-hmm. So I think we own it and we ask for God's help. I think it's good to pray for that person. Uh, and, and, and just instead of resenting them, begin to pray and see things from their perspective. A big thing, and again, we talk about this all the time, is gratitude. And so we begin to say, well, what is it that actually I can see that God has given me? What PlayStation have I got? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked over to, you know, about our happy hand somewhere. Where is over the happy it's, hand? It's, it's down there. here, happy hand. You know, so it's five things each day that you want to give thanks for. Something that hasn't happened, something, activity that you can do, a person that you appreciate, a place that you appreciate, and something about yourself that you appreciate. And, and just the discipline of that is really helpful. And, and it's, it sounds the opposite of what we often say. Instead of focusing on the outside, focus on the on mm-hmm. ourselves. What is it that God has given us? Mm-hmm. What can we be thankful for? Mm-hmm. We will always see the prayer that hasn't been answered. Yeah. So we have to discipline ourselves to see all the prayers that have, mm-hmm. all the ways in which God has helped us. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that sense of gratitude. Yeah. I think also uh, offering ourselves to God and saying, will you use me? as I am. Mm -hmm. And the more we find ourselves in a position where we are helping somebody else is really helpful. Because when you help somebody else, firstly, you're not focused on the person you're envious of. You're focused on a person in need. But secondly, as you help someone, you begin to see your own value and your own way in which God can use you. Mm -hmm. So I would say a big thing is to begin to offer yourself to God and say, today, can I be of use for you? Instead of thinking, God, what haven't you done for me? Mm. It's, God, what can I do for you? And that, I think, changes the mindset. We're coming into this day not to see what God's going to give us, Mm. but to see what we can do for God. Mm -hmm. And that way, we actually become to value and appreciate more what we have. So those are the kind of things. We're honest uh, and admit it. We, We nurture gratitude. We ask for God's help. And we offer ourselves to him to be of service. And I think as well, you talked about praying for that person that you're envious, envious yeah. of. I find I do that for people that I'm envious of and for people that have hurt or annoyed me. And one of the things I try and do is pray blessings upon them. So look at the things that I may be envious of and thank God for them yeah. and pray that they may be used for, for yeah. his glory. Yeah. I think one of the things I also try and do is all of the things that you've said, but also to remind myself of how God sees me. So I go back to scripture. I go back to some of the promises, the affirmations, the things that I see in there and build that as my picture of how God sees me because I think that can really get distorted uh, very, very quickly in, in this whole area. I think envy and not feeling loved and God, what are you doing? Distance us from him. And because of maybe our experiences in life or, or lots of different things, we don't always see God objectively mm. and as clearly as maybe we need to. So I think going back to scripture and saying, Kath, this is what God says about me. This is how God sees me. So I think it's a combination of all of those things. And maybe also pulling in somebody else, just talking to somebody, somebody that's objective and can maybe say, okay, I I hear what you've said. I I understand that you're going through this, but let me actually tell you what's really good about you. Mm. And I think if we had more people in our lives that were kind of like our cheerleaders, that were able to listen to our I don't know, our mistakes, listen to our, the things that we struggle with, if we're honest enough to do that, we're not always honest enough to do that, are we? We're, we're often quite reserved and we yeah, like yeah. to hide behind a, a, a mask. But if there was someone that said, I don't know, I, I hear your heart, I hear what you're saying, I'm going to pray with you, but know that actually you're great, that you may not be that person, but you may be this person. 
you know, how do you go about affirming and encouraging other people and speaking into their lives? Is that something that you deliberately go looking for? I think we should. I think encouragement is a, a really important thing that we should look to do. I think for some of us, it's natural. For others, it's something we need to choose and, and proactively work on. I think we need to be recognised that God has given everybody strengths and it, we need to be honest in, rec, in identifying those. No point praising people with flattery for things that they're not good at. Oh, no point people telling me I'm good at singing when I'm not. But it, <laughs> Someone do that. Uh, it has happened. <laughs> the, the, the ident, uh, but being honest, I think we should look to build people up. That's an important principle, I think, of... Christian living is to always be building, always mm -hmm. to be encouraging, always to be mm -hmm. um, building, uh, looking for ways to, to help people to see their value. Yeah, but as long as that's truthful. Um, but I think it's so affirming and, and, and so encouraging. I mean, we had an email this week, didn't we, from someone that had been encouraged by questions of life. And I remember when we were talking about questions of life and before the first session saying to you, I don't know that we can pull this off. I really don't think this is going to work. We're just mm. going to put it out there and trust God. And if it's a disaster, then it, let it be a disaster. Mm. And the fact that, that this woman had emailed us and it had a real impact upon mm. her, yeah. things like that are just really encouraging because yeah. neither of us are particularly confident in these things. No. Uh, you know, we, we step out and are used by God. Mm. But it's, and I try and do that with others. So if I see someone doing something, I think that's good. I'll, I'll try and say that mm. to them and encourage them. I think we should really, really seek to do that. Now, I've got a corker of a question for you. <laughs> uh. Good evening, June. Okay, here we go. Why does God allow longevity to those who no longer have quality of life, only existing, and the pain it causes the individual, family and friends, but call others home when there is no pain, etc., is this fair? I think it's a really good question. Yep. Uh, I, I've come to the conclusion, part of my job is to live around death. Mm -hmm. There are uh, two, three or four ways to die, and none of them are nice or mm -hmm. good. So you can die young, yep. where you had your whole life ahead of you and you never lived it out and everybody is completely grief stricken and your funeral is full of people who feel this was terrible mm. you can die suddenly and have no opportunity to say goodbye to someone and uh, it's just gone but you don't go through June was talking about that long suffering and illness um, and loss of faculty. Mm. And that's a third way of dying. You can die at the end of your life. So, well, everybody dies at the end of their life, don't they? But you can <laughs> die after a long life and the funeral is empty and nobody remembers what you were like in your prime and you've had to, you know, suffer years of debilitating ability. And I've come to the conclusion that all three things are not, what, are not good, mm. which is why God doesn't like death. Mm. And there are pros and cons to all of them. There's a, there's a pro to being killed instantly. There's a pro to being told that you've got six months to live. There's a pro to living a long life and achieving everything that you could achieve. There's a pro to not having to go through old age. And this is the key thing for me. I think that when we've been in heaven thousands of years, it won't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. that, and I've talked, we talked about this before, so, but I'm repeating myself slightly, that the pain of 5, 10, 15, 20 years of either our illness or our bereavement, the loss of someone we care for, that that pain is healed mm -hmm. by 10, 20, 30, 1,000 years mm. of joy. Mm. So if I take from my own life story, my grandmother who lost 
my grandfather as a result of the First World War when they'd been married five years. And she lived to be 99. Gosh. So she lived 75 years as a widow uh, and experienced quite a lot of unhappiness. Um, in heaven, they will have an 75 years that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. And then another 75, which makes 150, and then another 150, which makes 300, and another 300 that makes 600, and then another 600 that makes 1,200, and so on, and so on, and so on. Now, when you get to 10,000 years, which is what the great hymn Amazing Grace says, at that point, the inconsistencies of this life are ironed out. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there is a good way to die, Mm -hmm. which is why Jesus rose from the dead to conquer death. Absolutely. They're just different ways to die. Yeah. Uh, and I've thought about this in my own life. I don't know whether I want to grow old. What do you mean? You are quite old now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether I want to, to live to be 80 or whether I want to have a, a short illness or whether I want to have a sudden accident. I actually don't know the difference. I can't, I can't tell you which I prefer. I know that people tell me, oh, that, that's the way I want to go, but I don't know. I, th- I see disadvantages with all of them and I see advantages with all of them. I don't think God is unfair. I just think he's different. So in certain parts of the Bible, it talks about God ordaining every day for us before one of them comes to pass. So do you think God knows how many days we're going to be on this earth? Do you think it's God's call when he calls us home? Or is that just part of the fragility of life? You're loving this, sorry. You know. Do you know, I'm, I... I have to be honest and say, I don't fully know the answer to that question. That I, I am quavering. Am I allowed to say this in questions of life? Yeah, go I, I, if you'd asked me about 10 years ago, I'd say, no, God knew from the very moment we were born how long we were going to live. I'm not sure that's exactly what the Bible... Well, I think God knows mm-hmm. because he's, he knows all things. It's different to saying he purposes and plans it. Absolutely. And I'm much closer now to a point that I don't think, I think there are people that die before God wanted that to happen. Yep. And I think we, as we, when we talked about suffering, yeah. we can have a hand in that. Other people can have a hand in that. There can be a load of circumstances. Uh, if we don't look after our health. Yes. Things like that. So take my brother dying from a heart attack. That was lifestyle induced that wouldn't have been god's ideal plan yeah he didn't help himself child gets run over you know there's there's lots of mitigating circumstances that god doesn't say right i'm choosing for this this person to die in this way i don't think god does that so i yeah so because of that i mean i used to think you know if if you lived if you're a christian then you couldn't die ahead of your time i think that, that like you say I could choose to live unhealthily I could be reckless other people can be sinful there is all kinds of things mm. Um, mm. there's an interesting story in the Old Testament about Hezekiah who God says today you, you, you're going to die and he pleads with God and then God says okay very well and he lives a bit longer and what's interesting is that in that period of life after he should have died he then has another kid who turns out to be really problematic and damaging. Uh, and you wonder whether it would have been better if he died <laughs> the first time. <laughs> Good question, I'm going to... Yeah. It's interesting talking about the expectation that if you're a Christian, you'll live for a long time. When I was at primary school, uh, I had this wonderful uh, headmaster, uh, Mr. Baker. He was a uh, Christian, him and his wife. And they left in when I was about, it would have been year four. I can't remember the new school year. It's a bit like that. When, when I was in year four, they left to be missionaries over in Africa. And uh, they had this great send-off, fantastic, wonderful work that you are doing. And they died in a car crash. Well, the wife died in a car crash over there. And there was just like the shock. How could that happen? They were serving God. They were these great Christian people. And just because we're Christians, there's no guarantees yeah i remember i can't remember the exact situation joel will probably might might remember 
the situation when somebody died tragically when the, our children were little. And I started to say, it's okay, Jesus has taken them. And before I got to the end of the sentence, I thought, they're going to ask me, why did Jesus take them? And I, I think it was somebody's parents. Mm. Why is, mm. I can't remember, it might have been a school friend's mummy or something from cancer. Why? And I realised halfway through the sentence that that was an inadequate statement. And I changed it, which then became the phrase that we used, and I particularly remember when my friend, friends Matt and Chris were killed, that I would say... God has rescued them from death mm -hmm. and Jesus has come to take them home from yeah. death. Yeah. That, in other words, he didn't take them home from this life, but once they died, he's rescued them, yeah. he's taken them. Yeah. And that, I think, is, to me, more accurate, that, that, mm -hmm. that Jesus comes and rescues people from the place of death. Mm -hmm. He does not take people to the place yep. of death, I think. Yep, 100% agree, yeah. Um, I've had a comment in here from uh, Nicola Cleave. Evening, Nick. Lovely to have you commenting. She says, I feel that not enough is ever said about why a person might feel envy or inadequate. I think if we're honest as human beings, quite often we feel inadequate and quite often we feel envious. Mm. But I don't think, as Nikki says, I don't think we talk about that enough. Mm. Mm. I, I, I think we are very Western and British and everything is okay. And we think that... I don't know, there is shame in us admitting our, our weaknesses when actually it's, it's a strength. Yeah, I think our culture celebrates envy in a way that's unhelpful. I think there's an advert at the moment, isn't there, for an internet uh, phone company and their internet service. It's all about envy and uh, you don't want to envy. And, and, and I think we encourage people to look at what other people have and to try to keep up with them. Mm. And, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Mm. And I, th I think our whole culture is is trying to say you need to be as good as mm -hmm. something else. And that and creates envy in us. So I, I do think, I think Nikki's right. It's not recognised and talked an, a, enough about. And I wonder whether the younger generations being exposed to this far more than we ever were when we were growing up have a sense of inadequacy yeah. and mental health issues yeah. because they're bombarded by it. Yeah. I mean, we had two channels on our telly to start with black and white and then it progressed to to four and they have the internet they have everything all at once i think there's a real link with mental health and there's a real link with a sense of unhappiness about one's identity and trying to wish we were something else or be identified as something else or be seen as something else that we're just all the time not feeling good enough and not feeling comfortable in who we are as a phrase and I think it's really a very, very difficult place for lots and lots of people. And it's rather than, than us trying to be something else, we need to come to a place of saying, I am who God has made me. Mm -hmm. And I need to discover why and how that's of use mm. rather than try to be something different. Mm. Um, you know, it's a bit like, you know, there's no point just picking up the objects around me, there's no point this glass of water saying, why can't I be at a candle? And there's no point in the candle saying, why can't I be a glass of water? Yep. One puts out fire, one creates fire. One, you yep. know, they're completely different functions, but actually they're both precious and they're both beautiful. And the moment the glass of water is able to say, I'm, I'm happy to be a glass of water, and the candle is able to say, I'm happy to be a candle, actually both are at peace. And that's where we need to get to this sense of, valuing our difference rather than wanting to be somebody else. I think that takes a bit of time and I think it takes um, a bit of um, age and reflection as well. So I remember when I applied for the job that I have now here at the church and um, I was, I don't know how old I was, 20, 23, 24, came straight out of college and I had, do you remember the wonderful uh, weekend of interviews and preaching that I had to do? And so I was preaching on the Sunday morning and uh, your predecessor, Alan, had arranged for me to go out for a late night curry with all of the 20s and 30s. Um, so I'd been in interviews all day and he thought it'd be a really nice, relaxing way for me to end the evening. So I'm, I'm there with about 20 people. And they're like, oh, you're preaching tomorrow. That's fantastic. Uh, oh, we really hope that you're like Donald. I'm like, 
okay, great. What, you know, what's Donald like? Well, Donald shows his cartoons and his loads of pictures and his, you know, and they, they talked about all of your strengths and all the things that make you you and are unique to you, which is brilliant. And so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, great. Yeah, no, I don't have any cartoons. So they actually asked me, do you have any cartoons? And I'm like, nope. And you could just see that all of their faces thinking this is going to be the most boring sermon ever. Uh, and what made the sermon interesting was I had a skirt on. So, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the only time in this church <laughs> I had a skirt on. Um, but it was interesting. And so for the first, probably, I don't know, two, three years, I thought I needed to be like you. I thought I needed to put a sermon together like you or an alpha talk. And it got to the point where, where I realized, well, why am I doing this? We're, we're very different. And that's a, I think that's a blessing mm, to the mm, church. It is. Because we, we, I think we complement each other, but we are very different. And so I thought, I'm going to stop trying to be you, and I'm going to work out who I am and, and go with what feels right for me. But that was a journey. That wasn't an instant, oh, I get it. I know who I am. I know who my gifts are. And it required other people to speak into that as well. So I think in all of this, don't think, right, I'm going to pray about it and tomorrow I'll be the finished article, released and fulfilled and know who I am. But that's more of a, a journey. Mm. It's more of a process. It's a more of working it out with God and seeing what fits and what feels right. Um, and then we, we kind of get there. And then it's being in that place where you think, okay, this is me. This is who God has made me to be. That's the starting point. And then to rejoice in it and be happy. That's the second mm. thing. And then the third thing is to say, use me. Mm. Uh, and mm. I think knowing who you are, being used by God is the most exciting thing. To see God using you, making a difference in people's lives, people becoming Christians, I, I just think is the biggest Buzz is the wrong word, but I love it. Mm. it, it it's just yeah. incredible. And whether it's I prayed for that person, whether it's I, I did an alpha talk to that person, whether they didn't know me, but I was cheering everybody else on that, that was praying for them and speaking to them. Love it because we're all interlinked. We all mm. play mm. our different parts. But I think understanding who we are, yeah. I mean, it would have taken you a little while to work out that you could be different to Alan, our predecessor. Absolutely. Well, I spent a long time wishing that I could sing. I made a lot of jokes about it, but I was you told... You love music. Yeah, well, I love music, but I was told at college that I wouldn't have a, be able to work in Christian ministry because I couldn't play guitar and I couldn't sing. I was, you know, that was It was said in that frame of mind. Wow. And I envied people who were musical. I really wanted to be like them because I do love music. Mm. So, uh, and I, I went through trying to be all signs of other people. And the reason I ended up with cartoons is because I simply love cartoons. That's what I did in my, mm. in my spare time is read cartoon books. Yeah. So uh, it, I, I, I've been through that experience and still do it. There are times, there are times in the live streams now where I think I wish I could be as funny as Kath. I wish I could tease people like Kath, but I know that if I tease people, it comes out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like when you called me a clown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not bitter about that. I just like to, you know. <laughs> I think I just, can I just throw back in one yeah. other thing that's just to yeah. go back and change the subject slightly. But I remember an experience many years ago, and I can't, I, I can't remember. I'm not good at telling stories about my life, and I can't remember why or whatever. But it was one of those things where somebody had been through a very difficult thing, and they wanted other people to have to go through it themselves. Right. So it was like, uh, let me kind of think of what it, it was. It, it was that, it's like a, uh, at school where a, a fifth, somebody in year 11 says, when I was in year seven, I got bullied, therefore you need to be bullied. Yeah. And I remember like a moment of clarity, rare moment of clarity in my mind, thinking there's two responses to suffering. Mm -hmm. The one is to say, this isn't fair, other people should have to go through this. And we become per perpetrators of the thing that we've been the victim of. Mm. Because we think it wasn't fair that we did, it mm. had to go through it. So it isn't fair if they don't. Mm. Or there's a deliberate choice, which is to say, because I've been through that, I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. Mm. And I remember quite in this moment of clarity thinking, I don't, whatever ways I suffer in life, 
I want to make sure nobody else has to go through those. Yeah. I am not going to be the person that says, because I had to do it, you've got to do yeah. it. Because that seemed to me in that moment a profoundly ugly and unsatisfactory attitude. Mm. And I think there are moments when we make choices about our life. Mm. And I would encourage people to make that choice. And that was a choice that I deliberately made, that whatever things go wrong in my life, I won't pass them on. Mm. I won't say that because it happened to me, because I don't have a coat, you're not going to have a coat. Because I don't have this, you're not going to have this. Rather, because I found this experience difficult, I will do everything in my power to make sure nobody else has that experience. And that's been quite important for me, Mm. just in the way I lead and deal with people. So most of the time, people experience problems that I've never encountered because I try to protect you all from the problems Mm. I have encountered. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I do think it's very ugly to want other people to suffer the way we have. Yeah. And I think God's very gracious and God is a God who redeems in that if we're willing... Say, so God, will you use what I've been through for your glory? Yeah. And I found that a lot of the difficulties that I've been through, um, slightly like you, I don't want other people to have to have gone through these things without anybody there. I want to speak into difficult situations. I want to be a support and an encouragement and point people to Jesus rather than, yeah, this is your turn. Great. I've had to go through it. Now you have to go through it. But it is a choice. I think all of these things are a choice. We can either get sucked into the world and look at everybody else as the world doesn't think, oh, I need this, I need that, I want this, I want this, I don't have it, I'm not good enough. Or we can say, okay, I'm choosing to believe I'm loved by God unconditionally. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to believe that God wants good things for my life. And I'm choosing to live my life through that lens rather than the lens that the world throws at me. Mm -hmm. At times it's difficult. It's countercultural. It's mm-hmm. not the easiest thing because we're human beings and it's, we're, yeah. we're more prone to, I want this, I want that, why haven't I got it? But it's the most fulfilling and satisfying way to live life. And mm-hmm. I think it's a way that God's able to use us to bless others because it's like, I created you to be you, Donald. I created you to be you. I want to release you in the gifts that you have. I've given you the passions that you have, the cartoons, the whatever. If you just let you be you and let me work through you, mm-hmm. We can do great things. Mm. And it's that, that place, isn't it, of saying, okay, this is me. Mm. Mm. So, summing up, is God fair? I think he's fair. Yep. But he treats us differently. Yep. And we have an unhealthy perspective on fairness sometimes. Yes. I think that in heaven, yep. everything will be different and we'll have seen it. We've all had different lives. I think in heaven we'll look back and say we've all suffered. Yes. And we've all been redeemed. Yes. And we've all entered this glorious place of joy. And it's all will be fair, but mm. it will be different. Mm. And there, there may be a time in our life where it's our time of suffering and somebody isn't. Mm. Uh, but at the end, God puts it right. Mm. I, we're, we're preparing for remembrance this Sunday, 10.30, we're going to do a stream of remembrance and at 11 o'clock we'll, we'll share that together. We asked the church to send in photographs and, and it's been fantastic looking at and lots of people put little stories. And They're photographs this, of people that uh, have served or are yes, serving. Yes, so family army. members, yeah. friends that have served in the First World War, Second World War, war since the Second World War currently. And in this week, when we're all going, well, why have we got to go through lockdown? Why are we going through COVID-19? Why is all of this our problem? And you look at generations past and you think they went through a very different story. Mm. And in heaven, we'll hear their story Mm. and they'll hear our story. Mm. And I don't think we'll say, God, you were unfair. I think we'll say, God, you were with us. Mm. And I look at some people around the world, like genocides and everything else, and you just think, God, I'm grateful that I didn't have to go through that yeah. or persecution, whatever it yeah. might be. Yeah. Everybody's going through something. Yeah. We just don't always see it and know yeah. it. Yeah. But I remember a conversation with a, someone from a country where very, very, what we would consider poor, very hard life, very, come over to the UK and it's like blowing their mind 
And they said, I wouldn't want to live here. Shops are full of stuff. There's so much pressure. Your life is so fast. You're doing everything. We don't know if we've got enough food for tomorrow, but life is relaxed. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to live in our culture. Yeah. And so there's always things we can give thanks for. Yes. Brilliant. Well, we want to give thanks that you have... uh, lasted the course and uh, stayed with us this evening. Hope that you've found it helpful. As Donald said, this Sunday we are going to, in each of our three live streams, um, have something to do with Remembrance Sunday. At the 10.30 in particular, we're focusing more on it there. 11 o'clock, we're going to have two minutes silence along with the rest of the country. So if you're able, please do join with us at one of those live streams. On Monday, we have Cafe Church, and we're looking at tips on helping us with our mental health, something that I think is huge. Lots mm. of us are struggling with at the moment. So there'll be the usual quiz, there'll be some music, there'll be banter, but also there'll be lots of different people, uh, from professionals like doctors to those that have uh, suffered with their mental health, giving us their top tips on how to survive. So we would love to see you that 7 o'clock on uh, Monday evening. Join us on YouTube. We will be back next Wednesday with questions of life. We won't be live, I'm afraid, but we are looking at the subject of love and relationships. Mm. So you're probably regretting that we won't be live because I suspect we'll have 101 questions about that. But hopefully you'll still tune in. That'll be there at 7 o'clock. But can we say thank you and we will hopefully see you soon. Take care. Goodbye. Bye.